It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here. This is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll introduce my guest shortly, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. Try it free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash B-R-I-A-N. It's no secret that things are tough right now. I will be the first to admit that I don't always have my A game every single day, but I want to let you know that there are three things that I think will help all of us. When you're facing a crisis, the first thing I would say is to be thankful for what you have. Without gratitude for what you have, it's impossible to attract what you really want. Jack Canfield and I discussed that when he was on my show a few years ago. The second thing I would say is give yourself something to look forward to. There's something to be said for having hope. When I was in the hospital a few years ago, one thing that kept me going was to make a list of everything I wanted to experience again when I got out. It brightened up my day more than once. And the final piece of advice I will give you is to find a need and fill it. When you're focused on helping others, it comes back to you in ways you may never know. If you have connections or resources to help others, why not do it? I find that doing this lifts my mood every single time. So those are my things to think about today. And if you need to pick me up, once again, those three things are be thankful, give yourself something to look forward to, and find a need and fill it. It'll make a huge difference in your day. With all this in mind, I would love to introduce my guest. His name is Trevor Blake. Let me tell you about him. Trevor Blake is a serial entrepreneur and New York Times bestselling author who over the last 10 years has gone from starting his first business with just a few hundred dollars to creating and successfully selling and exiting three separate companies for over $600 million. He did it all while never hiring a single employee and does this all working only five hours a day. Trevor grew up extremely poor and made the shift from humble beginnings to now achieving great success with balance. He's been featured on major media outlets such as Business Insider, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, Inc., and a lot more. He's also the author of two books. One of them is called Secrets to a Successful Startup, A Recession-Proof Guide to Starting, Surviving, and Thriving in Your Own Venture. And the other one is called Three Simple Steps, A Map to Success in Business and Life. We have a lot to unwrap today. So here we are with my very special guest, Trevor Blake. Trevor, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for inviting me. You're so welcome. So the first question I like to ask everyone is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? Yes, I did. That's awesome. I love hearing that answer. Tell me why. Uh, from the very beginning, I, you know, I grew up, as you said, poor in the introduction. And so um, I didn't know how to get out of my version of quicksand. So I used to just read biographies and I realized that there were thousands of people who went before me who found a way out. And so I just copied them. So I, I kind of figured out that if if what they did worked for them, then it sure is going to work for me. So I just I just started basically and and found you know I, I knew if I 
perform three particular types of attitude and, and uh, activity, then I would get out of quicksand. So I never doubted it. Wow. What were those things? Those are in my book, Three Simple Steps. So there's a, you know, taking back control of your mentality and uh, connecting back in nature, meditating and, and uh, developing deeper intuition, and then directing that power at setting intentions instead of goal setting. I've never been a big fan of goal setting. So I had a different system and I copied, I basically just copied the people who'd gone before me, like Henry Ford and, and Carnegie and uh, Madam CJ Walker. These are the things that they did. And so I was young enough and naive enough to think, well, if I just do the same, hopefully it'll work for me. And it did. Fantastic. So what did your path look like prior to what you're doing right now? Well, if I go way back in time and I go to uh, being at school and, and uh, having a career, I, I decided I was going to join the military academy, which was impossible for people of my background in those days. At least I was told it was impossible. And I remember my careers counselor said, look, you know, tone it down a bit. Don't think that you can be this ambitious. We've got a great job for you. How about an apprentice manager at a chicken packing factory? And that's, that was a bit of a wake up call for me because I realized that's what the world saw me as. That's, that's how they saw my future. Wow. So I decided to take control of it myself. And that's basically, you know, everything I've done in my life. I, I never was interested in money back in the day. I just wanted to travel because I, when you grow up poor, you don't have vacations and stuff like that. And I just wanted to know what other countries were like. So for the first 20 years of my life, I, I, I traveled around the world, visiting and staying and working in 56 different countries. And, and then when I turned 40, I decided to start my own company. And that's what I've been doing for the last sort of 15, 20 years. Wow. Through all of those travels, what would you say was your favorite country to visit? Without a doubt, Italy, because I'm a bit of a foodie. Uh, <laughs> so, so I just, I just, I, I love, I love the Italian um, way of life. I just love their approach to life. Very, and I, I've kind of adapted that and, uh, and used it in my business life. In the success with balance is really possible in places like Italy and France, especially Southern France, where you can get the balance right between, you know, family spirit and work. And uh, that's been very important to me. So I learned a lot of great lessons uh, traveling in those countries. That's fantastic. So I love asking people, what do you think was your rock bottom moment? Uh, well, I can say, I can say two. So, so, um, uh, being poor, being bullied, being being uh, chased through a town with uh, shotguns and and uh, and cricket bats when I was a kid, I was probably only about thirteen or fourteen. I felt, you know, when you get bullied, you feel like well, it's more than bullying. Obviously, it was sectarian bullying, but you feel like it must be your fault somehow. You must have brought this upon yourself. And so that was a pretty low time. Um, my father was unemployed and unemployable, and my mother was dying of cancer. So it seemed like a pointless life, if you like. I, I did seriously consider not continuing with what with that life. Um, and then most recently, my wife, I, I was happily married uh, for 40 years. And then unfortunately, my wife died just over a year ago. And that was probably the second lowest moment of my life. But I've used the same tools and techniques that have got me out of poverty and got me this amazing life to get through this grieving process, you know, having been with someone for 40 years and then suddenly that's stopping. So I would say those are the two lows. And, and I'm, I'm blessed that I found a way to deal with both of them. I'm so glad that you did find a way. What would you say was your biggest aha moment that turned your business around? Uh, realizing that almost everybody's making it up as they go along. So I, I used to be intimidated by those who were successful and those who were wealthy. I used to think they must have they must have a secret that I wasn't being I hadn't been exposed to, or they went to some kind of secret CEO school or something and and had all this inside knowledge that I didn't understand. And then I, as as I sort of grew in life, I realized that everybody's just making up as you go along. And that's that opened up a whole new world to me because I realized instead of focusing on what I thought I was good at or what I think I might enjoy doing, I realized that 
one of the secrets to success, particularly as an entrepreneur, as you mentioned it in the introduction, it's finding a need and filling it. And so yeah. basically, I started to look for things to fix. So, so basically, you know, if something got under my skin, instead of complaining about it, I just decided, you know, what, I'll go and fix that. And I became an entrepreneur by default. So I, I mean, I don't have skills, I don't have the education to be an entrepreneur, I don't, I don't have any secret source. I just decided, you know, I realized that this is what other people do, they find something to fix, and they just figure it out as they go along. And that's all yeah. I've been doing my whole life. Yeah. And the bigger thing you can fix, the more money you can actually make because you're serving more people. Yeah. And it's an energy. So, I mean, the, the, you know, my education is a physicist, so I'm really into energy and how to interact with energy in a different way. So, so you know, if you if you find something to fix and you've got set about fixing it and you satisfy people's needs, then the energy of that gets converted into its other form, which in this case would be money or wealth. And then, you know, and then you become financially independent and then you go and do it again and again and again. And that's what makes a serial entrepreneur that you mentioned at the beginning. So mm -hmm. I'm on company seven right now, actually. That's wonderful. Uh, that's really great. So entrepreneurship is very attractive to a lot of people. What drew you into that? Just the pure joy of magic of building. So, you know, the definition of magic is the conversion of one form of energy into another form within the laws of nature and under the power of will. And that's for me, that's what building a company is like. It's finding something to fix, setting about fixing it, figuring it out, creating this magic. It's, it's really no different than an artist might feel when they in front of a blank canvas and they fill it in with this beautiful, meaningful painting. For me, yeah. building a business is the same way. I, I love that. So was your family supportive of this career path for you or did they want you to play it safe? Uh, uh, they were the complete opposite of supportive, <laughs> mm. as is often the case. And it's not necessarily because it was uh, any maliciousness or jealousy or anything. Oftentimes it's out of love. They they see you in a particular way and they don't want you to make a fool of yourself. Right. And so, and, and so you know, they oftentimes put their arms around you, you know, uh, either, either um, virtually or physically and say, you know, tone it down a little bit, you know, you know, go and be an accountant or something, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so, so no, I don't find, I do find that the, um, the entrepreneurial journey is, is a little bit of a lonely journey at times. So you do need to have a certain degree of discipline and, and determination in order to succeed along that path. But, you know, once, once you do achieve a certain degree of success, then of course, they're all very happy for you, but then they're not likely to be on the sidelines applauding you when you decide you're going to, you know, make something yourself. Right, exactly. So what do you think is the most expensive mistake you have ever made? It can be financial or doesn't have to be. It can be uh, an opportunity lost. It could be a time energy thing. But what do you think is the most expensive mistake you've made? I wish I'd I wish I'd realized earlier that I could do this, that I, did, that I waited too long. So I was 42 when I started my first company. And I realize now that I could have started my first company at 22. I, I, I don't know any more at 42 than I did at 22 in terms of what it takes to be successful in business. So I, I think I, I lacked confidence. And so what I try to do through my coaching through three simple steps and seekers to a successful startup is to is to try and help people understand that it's all about self-confidence. Yeah. That's all you need is the self-confidence to get started. That's it, basically. And once you get that self-confidence and once you start, you, you know, we're, we're smart. Humans are really smart. We can pretty much figure out anything we want. Um, but I, I wish I'd had the confidence earlier. Yeah. And I love that you said you were 42 when you started your first company. That shows all of us that it's not too late to build something gigantic and wonderful. 
No, and in my coaching, um, I have uh, somebody who's 87 who just started their first company. And actually, they're now 89, so they started at 87, which is, you know, fantastic. It's never too late. That's why the message I'm trying to get to people, and that's why I do these podcasts and radio shows, is that there's never the wrong time, and it's never too late to reinvent yourself. That's absolutely fantastic. We are coming up against our first break. My guest is Trevor Blake. We're going to discuss uh, his book, Secrets to a Successful Startup, when we come back. We'll talk about why startups fail. We'll talk about how you find your best ideas for business. We'll talk about turning your idea into a business and the importance of having an exit strategy. We'll discuss all that and more when we come back. Thank you so much. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back on the other side. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's merging We all know many doctors suffer from cacography or bad handwriting skills, but as a nurse, I can tell you they might need to pay a little more attention to what they write on a patient's chart. During the course of a long shift, oscitating doctors have unintentionally written some pretty funny things on patients' charts. I thought I would share a few of these bloopers with you. One doctor wrote, The patient has been depressed ever since she began seeing me in 1983. Another doctor indicated that the patient refused an autopsy. One chart said that the patient was numb from her toes down. Another patient apparently stated that she had been constipated for most of her life until 1989 when she got a divorce. And my personal favorite, the patient was in his usual state of good health until his airplane ran out of gas and crashed. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Trevor Blake. And we're going to talk about one of his books here in just a second. But I want to ask, first of all, what do you think it takes to be successful in business? Starting. It's as simple as that. I mean, you, yeah. can, you, can, pick, you can pick any, any hero you like. You, let's say you picked a... Richard Branson or um, uh, C.J. Walker or something like that. You know, none of them set out to be entrepreneurs. They they just found themselves in a situation where something happened to them and they thought, I need to sort this out. And they become business people by by default almost. So, the it, it but I meet so many people who try to figure it all out before they start. And I, mm. I got I got lucky because I was 
working as a consultant for a company and the chairman of the board of that company was George Rothman, who had built Amgen and Icos, so $120 billion in, in uh, biotech value he had created himself. And I was waxing lyrical one day over dinner with him about how clever I was and that I had this brilliant business plan and all this of it. And he put his hand up just to shut me up. I was probably getting on his nerves. And he said, look, Trevor, you don't know what business you're in until you get in the business. You just start. And that yeah. was the best business advice I ever got in my life. Just start. Wow. I love that. So what do you see as your big mission? Making a positive difference in people's lives. There's no point having a company unless you make a big impact. I don't see the point. So so if you're just going to be, you know, another company, another landscaper, another plumber, another this and that, then I don't I don't see the joy in that. But if you if you see something where you think, you know, if I if I can pull this off, if I can figure it out, I can make a positive impact in people's lives. It just it, that gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, you, know, it, you jump out of bed instead of crawling out of bed. So for me, it's absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about your most recent book. It's called Secrets to a Successful Startup, a recession-proof guide to starting, surviving, and thriving in your own venture. What made you decide to write this? Because I meet so many people that put it off because they think they don't have the experience or they don't have the right idea. A lot of people say, I don't have a winning idea yet. So the book is about how to create a winning idea and then how to react forward to turn that into, into the reality of, the, of a company. So that's one thing. The second thing is that I think you hinted about this just before the break that, um, you know, a lot of companies fail, but 82% of failures are all for the same avoidable reason. Mm. And, and so I get frustrated with that. And so I, I was lucky enough to figure it out with the help of biographies and you know meeting fantastic people like George Rothman. So I so I just my my idea was to you know if I write this step by step, it's like it's like stepping stones across a pond. If you follow secrets to a successful startup, can't go wrong. But right in the middle of the book is this is why many companies or the majority of companies uh, fall short, and it's an avoidable problem. And this is what you do about it. And it has to do with cash flow management. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand cash flow. They understand cash and they understand price and they understand money, but they don't understand cash flow. And today, that's essential to learn about cash flow because it's a very different business environment than it was even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, if you start an internet company, uh, you know, I can go online and I can order 12 of this and 15 of that, and then I can return it all. So managing yeah, inventory yeah. is a bit of a nightmare. So managing cash flow becomes a bit of a nightmare. So so long as you're forewarned and forearmed about it and you have the tools and techniques, then you'll be okay. And so that's why I wrote the book. Oh, wonderful. So where do you get your best ideas for business? Meditation. That's awesome. I love that. Tell us more. So I, I again, learned very young reading biographies that all of these fantastic people through history had a, a form of meditation, even if they didn't call it meditation in their day. So you know, even like people like Henry Ford would sit in a, his old rotting uh, uh, chair on, an, on, a, on, a, on the farm that wasn't used anymore, and it had a little farm where his father grew up. And he would just sit there and he would rock in his rocking chair and he would contemplate and he called it taking quiet time. And I thought that was wonderful when I was younger that I could just take quiet time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day and do nothing except just be quiet. And then the magic happens. You get these aha moments. Everyone knows what they're like. You have them when you're in the shower or you have them when you're walking in the woods and you just mm-hmm. suddenly think, why didn't I think of this three weeks ago? You know, I've been banging my head against the brick wall trying to solve this. And and then the answer comes to you out of nowhere. So you can create that magic simply by meditating. And, yeah. you know, there are a thousand ways to meditate. You just pick one that suits you. My favorite Absolutely. one. The, the one I teach is probably the simplest and easiest, which is just, I just call it taking quiet time, basically sit in a chair for 20 minutes and shut up. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's fantastic. 
So once you get a really great idea, how do you turn that into a business? I suppose you you test it and just see see if this is something that real people really need or if this is just something that's in your own head. No, so the so the important thing is reacting forward. So as soon as you have the winning and, idea, you have to you have to cement it so that no one else comes along and takes that idea away from you. I would say the majority of people have brilliant ideas all of the time. And then 10 years later, they'll see something on the TV and said, God, I had that idea 10 years ago, but they mm-hmm. didn't do anything about it. And so you've got to react to it. So you've got to say, OK, this idea came to me. I'm taking ownership in it. And Seekers to a Successful Startup shows you tools and techniques to do that, to make this thing real, very inexpensively, to make this yeah. thing real for you so yeah. that no one else is going to come along and steal it. Are we talking about trademarking your idea before yeah. you test it? Absolutely. And 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 starting a... You know, starting an LLC or an LLP if you're in Canada or other countries. Um, my first company, I had an idea and I started it as an LLC. This is in the days before, this is dial-up internet days, so it was, wasn't as easy as today. Right. So it took me all day to set up an LLC online and I called it TGB International. And, and TGB International didn't have anything except this idea. But then, you know, the next week I got a package in the mail and it had my name as CEO and founder of this company, TGB International. And I, I photocopied that and I put it all over the house and in every pocket of every you know, piece of uh, every trousers and every suit that I had. And, yeah. and what you're doing is you're basically just making it real and making it yours. So the more you see it, the more you think about it, the more you the more you uh, see that piece of paper lying around, the more you start to think about, OK, how would I structure that? Who would I do for them? Who would I get for manufacturing? Yeah. Whereas if you don't do that, if you don't react forward, it's just simply an idea that fades very quickly. And, and unfortunately, then someone else will pick that up and do what you didn't do. So it's about it's it's still the same. I do the same thing now. I have ideas all the time. And as soon as I have an idea, I'll, I'll make that idea an LLC for about fifty dollars. And and I'll just keep looking at it. I'll keep it on. I've got one on my desk now. I'll just keep focusing on it and keep keep every time I look at it. I'm thinking about it and planning it and, uh, you know, imagining its success. And that's all you have to do, really. Yeah. If you create it in your imagination, it'll show up in reality. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I really like that. So I know in your book, you talk about having an exit strategy before you start. So you advocate for that very strongly, don't you? I, I do very, very, very strongly, but, and mainly because time's an illusion. So we, if we do that, then we can crush time and we can bring what would have been years in the future into the present day. So, so I always encourage people to, before you even start. So before I started my first company, I, I set myself an intention to sell that company for at least $100 million. And I picked $100 million because it meant something to me, not because mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't a magic formula or anything. It's just that I, I felt that at $100 million, I would have proven this new business model and I'd be able to go to all the people who said I couldn't do it and wave my little piece of paper in their faces and say, see, I told you it was a $100 million company. Yeah. And uh, and so for me, it was important, you know, my motivation to say, you know, you, you know, told you so. Um, so. So I always say, yes, yeah, set the exit strategy and imagine what it feels like to already have achieved that success before you even start. Right. And that just fills you with so much power and inspiration that that's when all the magic starts to happen around you. Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of people don't necessarily plan on selling their company. They like to keep it in their family for generations. So for someone who maybe does not plan to sell, how important is having a succession plan in place? I think you have to rethink that. So if you're someone who thinks you want to start a company and keep it for the next 60 years, I think you have to open your eyes and start to look around. Uh, You know, 10 years ago, the average age of a public traded company was about 50 to 75 years. The average Mm. age today is 15 to 20 
And as we as because technology changes so fast and you can be put out of business overnight. So you don't have the same safety uh, mat that we used to have with business, whereby once you get successful, you can say, OK, we're 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 a you know, we're a, a household name will be here forever. I mean, I, I remember reading the books Good to Great and Built to Last back in the 90s. You know, half of those companies don't exist anymore. Mm. Everyone, everyone thought they were built to last. Everyone thought they would still be here in 100 years time. They're gone. A companies like Circuit City and Border Books. Remember those? Right. Yep, right? yep. High Street Staples, Mall Street Staples. Like we, we thought they'd be around forever. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Blockbuster's gone. Um, Macy's, Sears. I mean, they're, they're all, they're all uh, you know, yeah. either gone, bankrupt, or in the process of being replaced. And that's because technology changes so fast these days. It's very mm-hmm. hard to change with it and keep up with it. So I would say to anyone who thinks that they want to build a company and, you know, have it be their family business for the next 50 years or whatever, I don't think those days exist anymore. That's fascinating. And it makes a lot of sense now that you say that. So let's just say that you are in growth phase. How do you know whether it's best to bootstrap or whether you should be getting investors? I, my advice, and it's in Seekers to a Successful Startup, is get investors even if you don't need them. And there's several reasons for it. One is cash flow management is really tricky. And so you need to be sure that you have access to cash when when the flow is not right so that could be you know it can be a bank loan or it can be a you know um, a credit line or something like that but if you've got investors it's the least expensive because they're not expecting to be paid monthly so so an investor's in for the long term so you don't have to pay them back until you're successful so it give, it takes that stress away and allows you to focus on growth the um the second aspect of that is that investors bring so much more than the money they, mm. they, they bring networks, they bring connections, they bring experience of doing the same thing in different fields. And, and I found that. I've, I, so I bring investors in, even though today I don't need their money. I can do it myself, but I still bring investors in because they, they make things happen so fast. And, you know, they can, they can see where things are going before I can. So, so I would say to everybody, uh, consider investment before you even start your company. That is fascinating. I love that. And I love Shark Tank. That's one of my favorite TV shows. And so, of course, when I think investor, uh, that's the first thing I think of. And and they want to get a return on their money as quickly as possible. But most most people's are most people are not like that as investors then, right? Right. And most people are reluctant to to give up some of their idea, you know. So if you bring investors in, you're gonna get diluted. But I I tell everybody it's better to have you know, 10% of a $100 million company than 100% of nothing. Yes, that is fantastic. Yeah, so uh, we are coming up against our break pretty shortly. We've got about a minute or so. How do you know who to partner with? Instincts. So again, intuition is so important. So um, I was I was blessed to be married to someone who had incredible uh, intuition. So I, I learned from my wife how to deepen my intuition. And I rely on that totally. So it's not just for investments and not just for who to partner with, but for vendors, uh, you know, contractors. I use a hub model, so I don't employ full-time employees. So I use my instincts, my intuition for all of that. Analysis can only take you so far. Absolutely. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Trevor Blake. His book is called Secrets to a Successful Startup, a recession-proof guide to starting, surviving, and thriving in your own venture. And we will come back after the break, and we have a lot more to talk about. So please stay with us. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back. Stay tuned.
The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Trevor Blake. And he is the author of the book, Secrets to a Successful Startup, a recession-proof guide to starting, surviving, and thriving in your own venture. We were talking about how to know who to partner with. And Trevor, you said that intuition is very, very important. That being said, did you ever have a bad partnership situation where you think, oh, I I should not have done this? Yeah, I did, Brian. And uh, it was my very first one, actually. So I actually, I actually don't believe in partnerships anymore. I think I think we all have the capability to do it on our own. But I made the mistake of thinking that if I brought two people in as equal partners, and we they put we each put thirty thousand in, so we had ninety thousand to start. Uh, this is before my first company. Um, the the challenge is that the the motivation to get into the business is so different between the three people. So I had my reason. Mm-hmm. These two were friends. Um, uh, another so one of the others, his reason was to get rich quick, which I didn't sit with me very well and and the other one was to get make enough money to put his kids through college so his his was more of a short-term view and i think mm-hmm. when you when you bring partners in like that it's very hard to find part to, to have partners who are you know all three of you or four or five of you are all on the same page as far as why we're doing this so eventually conflicts are natural they're bound to happen and that's what happened in this situation and um, my wife said to me with the second one, she said, oh, don't bring him in. He's bad news. And I said, well, how can you possibly know that? You've never met him. I've worked with him. I know him. She said, I'm just telling you it's bad news. And then two years later, he ran off with the money. <laughs> so that didn't oh. go. Yeah. So so that's why I say, you know, the intuition part is so important. I learned my lesson. It was an expensive yes. lesson, but I learned my lesson, you know, usually because I, I, my intuition was telling me not to do it, but I was, I felt the money was more important. And so I realized then, okay, okay. When I start my first company, I'm doing it on my own. Yeah, understood. So what do you think is your greatest secret to making a sale? 
So it's uh, never be afraid to ask for the business. I mean, if you believe in your product or your service and they have to be brilliant these days, you have to delight customers. It's not enough just to just to make someone happy. You have to absolutely delight people in order to have continuing business. Um, then if, if, if you have set it up the right way and you believe wholeheartedly, you will have the confidence to ask for the business. Uh, but I meet so many entrepreneurs that are afraid to close. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. To, and so I, I make it easy for people. I say, you know, try an action close. So, just, you know, say something like, look, I've done, I've, I gave a quote to this person the other week down the road. L- let me take you to their place and show you what I did for them. You know, if, you can do an action close that is easier and somewhat weaker, but easier. But the secret is asking for the business. If you truly believe in what you're doing, then you won't be afraid to price it appropriately and ask people to buy. Yeah. That's fantastic. You mentioned earlier in the show that you don't believe that entrepreneurs should wrap themselves in their mission, their vision, and their values for business success. But I don't think we got around to talking about why you believe that. Well, I'm not big on mission, vision, values anyway. I think that's a lot of a lot of that is corporate nonsense. And unfortunately, I've you know I spent 25 years in the corporate nonsense. Um, so I might just be a bit cynical about it. But so so for my for my seven companies, I've had exactly the same mantra. So I prefer a mantra to mission, vision, values, and that is make a positive difference in someone's life, have fun doing it, and share in all the rewards, material and otherwise, that come naturally as a result of setting that energy and flow. And that's the mantra I've had for all seven companies. And everyone who's been involved in it, they love that mantra because that's what they want. It's okay. You know, they want to make a positive difference. What's the point doing anything if you're not going to have fun? So that's that works for everybody. And then what's wrong with making money out of it? And so, right. so, so when you take the pressure off people and say, look, we're providing a great service or a great product. We're satisfying someone's need. We have we've earned our reward. So we've got the spiritual rewards because we feel really good about it and everyone else feels good. But we've also got the material reward. So a large part of what I do with my vendors and contractors is profit sharing so that everybody everybody shares in the success of the business. That's great because that gives everyone an incentive to to be excellent and to practice excellence because you all get to benefit from it. That's great. Yep. You mentioned you mentioned autobiographies earlier. Do you focus primarily on biographies of entrepreneurs or do you read entrepreneurs of people who are successful in other fields? Yeah, all fields, uh, f- from musicians to adventurers, pioneers. I, I just really love biographies. I prefer biographies to autobiographies because in an autobiography, the person who's had their moment of success is judging it from their perspective. Whereas in a biography, they're being judged by somebody at a distance. And I think there's a there's a lot of value. You know, they say there's the three perceptions, how we see ourselves, how we think other people see us and how other people actually see us. And I really like the view of the person who's looking at someone who's been successful and says, OK, they were successful because of these. It's more observant. They're successful because they behaved this way or did this or went left instead of right, chose blue instead of red or whatever it may be. And sure. and so, uh, you know, when we're, when we're judging ourselves, we often just, you know, we often just, we think everybody sees it the same way. Whereas when someone's observing, they'll say, nah, that was, that's what was different about that. So I like biographies particularly. Right. Um, but, of, but of all different ilk, sports biographies and writers and, you know, anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And earlier you mentioned that you built these companies without having employees and that might have perked some antennas so how do you work five hours a day without having employees well because i don't have employees because i, I looked at my career my fast track career before that and i realized that i spent 75 percent of my life in a meeting room talking about how to make employees happy and how to retain employees instead of talking about customers and satisfaction and improving product and stuff like that and so i didn't want that in my my own 
my own businesses. I, I wanted to focus on growth. So I have a hub model. I choose the hub model, which is basically, you know, vendors and contractors, because that way I don't have to supervise. I don't have to train. I don't have to have the annoying human resource systems around all of that, um, which are exhausting and expensive. So I'm able, you know, all those companies that I hire, they have their own internal systems to handle that. I can just, I can just have somebody come and be my regulatory, somebody come and be my manufacturer or somebody come and be my sales and marketing and bolt onto me and just say, okay, we'll do this aspect of the business. We'll, we'll provide this function for you. And, and my role becomes instead of a supervisory role, which I was before I started my first company, it, it becomes more a peer to peer. It's more of a trust relationship than a supervised relationship. And I just prefer that. I just think it's much more fun. And it means yeah. it, free, it, it frees me up. So it, when I first started this, with my first company, I thought I must be doing something wrong because I've got all this spare time. I'd be sitting at my computer waiting for an email and I was thinking, I, I must be doing it wrong. It can't be this easy. And then yeah. I realized, you know, it was like that because I wasn't having I wasn't having to hold the hands of a disgruntled employee every second of every day. Um, and so, so I, I prefer it and it's so much, it's, it's more rewarding and, and it's also more profitable. My, my net, my average net profit is 76%, which yeah. is pretty high, you know. It is, it is very, very high. So let's talk about the power of thinking big. I think, in fact, I was listening to uh, an audio uh, of someone who I respect and the the overarching message was, you're not thinking big enough. So how did you train yourself to do that? I actually read the book, The Magic of Thinking Big. Uh, Love that book. Yeah, decades ago and it started me thinking and it really made me think. And, you know, it was written by a management consultant who was observing other successful people. He himself had not achieved great success in his own life, but he, he was someone who, who observed, I think uh, his name was Schwartz, I think, wasn't it? David and, Schwartz. Yeah. And so, so he, you know, he'd observed all these successes and he said, and the, the difference between them and the rest is that they had this magic of thinking big. So I've, so I, I started to do that in my, in those days I had a regular career. So I started to do it with, you know, when you set your forecasts and your budgets and you do your goals for the year and stuff like that, I set these massive things and it, it, the crazy stuff and they came just as easily as the small stuff. So I realized that there was a magic to it. So I do it now. And um, I, you know, I, I'm, the first person to admit to everybody, they, they look at my seven companies, and which is now a billion dollars, and they say, okay, that looks big to them. And I say to everybody, and I truly mean this hand on heart, I wish I had thought bigger. Because <laughs> mm. I could have done that 20 years ago. I didn't, you know, it takes a while to build the confidence to think big. You have, I think you do have to go sort of almost like step by step a little bit. But there's no doubt about it that the, it takes the same amount of energy to make a billion dollars as it does to make a million. It doesn't take, you know, a thousand times as much. It takes the same. Yes, I, I do understand that. And I've, I've heard that and it's absolutely true. So let me ask you about quick decision making. You have to be quick. You have to be intuitive. How have you channeled that to grow your company big and fast? It's a, it's because it's totally necessary i've had to change because i used to be the old school you know uh, if you find a problem call a meeting or if you have an opportunity hire someone to fix it you know i, yeah. was, I, I was trained that way right it's brought up that way in the, in the corporate world it doesn't work in your own company you have to make instantaneous decisions and you have to have the confidence and your intuition to be sure that it's going to be a good one so you just don't have time 
to do those the things that we're trained to do. This is one of the things I teach in Seekers to a Successful Startup is that it's you now. It's down to you. You've got you've got no one to blame and no one to call on us. It's, it's, it's down to you. And it matches the energy of the time. So, you know, the the older energy that we used to work with, which we can give labels to, but it's kind of a linear energy, a step-by-step consensus, call a meeting, everything's very slow. The companies that didn't change are the ones we mentioned before, the circuit cities, the border books, all, all male uh, board, you know, the, the, they were all the very, very macho organizations. And so they tended to do things by analysis. Whereas today we live in much more of a feminine power world where the, the energy is spiraling and you have to make a quick decision because it's changing so fast and the technology is changing almost overnight. And so, um, so you have, you know, that's that feminine power of being able to rely on intuition and make instant decisions is very powerful. And, um, you know, this is the, I, I say, this is the time of feminine power. That doesn't mean it's, it's not a gender conversation because we all have feminine and, and masculine energies in us. It's just right. which, which, which aspect do you rely on? We used to rely more on the masculine, which is the analytical side. And today we have to rely more on the intuitive, which is the instant decision. Yeah, absolutely. So with this great energy shift, we've got two minutes to our break. Um, what are venture capital companies m- missing? Because do they tend to be stuck in their own rut and, and want to stay the same? Absolutely. The proof is in the statistics. So, you know, more than half of all startups are female led now, but 98% of venture capital that was lent in 2020 went to male led companies. Mm. They they just have not caught on. They're still doing things the way they always used to do do them. And um, I have these conversations with them because I always I'm I'm often talking to venture capital. They're they're male dominated and they, they, for some reason, are attracted to male led companies. And it's not surprising that they're seeing diminishing returns as a result. Yeah. Wow. That, you know, that is interesting. It, it seems like female-led companies are a little more interested in um, innovating. Does that sound right? Yeah, but that's the female energy. It's the spiraling. That's the feminine energy. It spirals. It moves fast. It's like a tornado. And you have to get on board with it or get left behind. And that's, that's you see that in the pace of innovation and technological change. You know, so although we give it a label, male and female and masculine and feminine, that's really what the, that energy conversation is about. It's about things moving into a spiraling energy instead of a linear energy. That's right. Yeah, we are coming up against our next break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. We're having a lot of fun and we're learning an awful lot. After the break, we will talk about the greatest challenges Trevor has had while trying to build his organizations. We'll talk about how COVID changed his business. We'll talk about how important mindset is. We'll talk about taking action fast and a whole bunch of other things. And once again, his book is called Secrets to a Successful Startup, a recession-proof guide to starting, surviving, and thriving in your own venture. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on Apple or iTunes, uh, go ahead and do that. Leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. We will be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. 
With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. In 1960, a youth in suburban Chicago lost a front tooth. A new tooth was constructed and attached to his jaw with a brass wire. Soon after, he claimed he could hear music coming from his teeth. That would be annoying even if you were a melomaniac or music lover. Over the years, numerous people have reported being able to hear the radio through their fillings or braces. The most famous being television comedian Lucille Ball. That's enough to give anyone her repellations or goosebumps. But is this really possible or just a hoax? In the days of AM radio, old receivers used to use a crystal or an antenna. A crystal set had a ceramic insulator covered by a piece of metal, very much like a tooth with a filling. Most dentists remain skeptical, though. What's another word for a skeptic? A pyranist. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Trevor Blake. His book is called Secrets to a Successful Startup, a Recession-Proof Guide to Starting, Surviving, and Thriving in Your Own Venture. And if you have not gotten my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. It's on Amazon. I would encourage you to get it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I had a bunch of other people collaborate their lessons from their dads as well. And the experience was truly magical. I cannot wait for you to read it. So, Trevor, let me ask you what your greatest challenges usually are when you are building an organization. Um, I think I, I still suffer from all the same um, hang-ups as everybody else. Uh, people don't usually expect to hear that because they see, okay, you've, you've built you know seven companies, you've sold four of them already, so you must you you know surely you're totally confident. But I doubt myself just as much as everybody does. And I second guess myself and I wonder, am I being crazy? Can I really do that? Because the companies that I've built, the whole world around me is telling me that I'm crazy, telling me that, that that's impossible. You can't do that. It, no one's ever done it. How, who are you to do it? You've not qualified. and all this. You get this all the time. And I think it, it never goes away. And so there's never a point where I, you know, I, I'm not affected by that. So I have to use the same tools and techniques that are in my books and in my courses and on my websites. I use them every single day for myself. Mm-hmm which I hope adds to the authenticity of what I try to, the message I'm trying to get out there. There's nobody who needs these tools and techniques more than I do. And so the challenge, the challenge never gets easier. No, um, I, yeah. I'm working on a business plan now and, and it's, it's crazy and it's mad. And you know, I'm still, and I get the same thoughts. Uh, am I being crazy here? Is it, you know, can I do this? Yeah. Um, and and that's okay. So, so long as you know, as long as you have the tools and techniques to help you get through it, you'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. How did COVID change your business? I didn't, I have to say, and I feel a bit guilty saying it, I, I didn't see any change at all because I used the hub model. So it's, so I didn't have employees that had to move out of an office environment and start working from home and stuff like that. It was already set up that way. 
So, so if anything, COVID enhanced the um, uh, the opinion of a hub model, or mm-hmm. the value of a hub model, and how possible it is to do it. A lot of people didn't realize that it's that as possible and as easy as it is. So, so COVID, if anything, COVID did me a favor. Yeah, that absolutely true. And and you know, it's it, it is so interesting. It affects businesses uh, differently. Some businesses suffered and other businesses like Amazon, like Zoom, mm-hmm. they thrived. Yeah. Uh, you know, delivery places thrived because people were at home. And so now they've structured their business where we come to you instead of you having to come to us, which is really great. So let's talk about mindset as a foundation. That's really where it all begins. And I, I get the feeling that you must have some kind of a routine every day to set yourself up. Yep, absolutely. I have a morning routine, uh, and if anyone really wants to know what it's what it's like, you can go to my website, trevorgblake.com. So during COVID, I provided all this stuff, you know, because I, I I could see this tsunami of people moving to working from home with no support, no 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 um, education, no instruction, no no sort of um, handholding. Just off, off you go, go work from home. It's very different working from home. You re- you have to do things mm-hmm. in a very different way, and you can easily get burned out. So I provided all these tools and techniques on, on um, trevorgblake.com and they're still there. So there's, there's no catch to them. You can just download them. So the practical magic of the five hour workday and then how to structure yourself at home and all these things are, are available for anyone who wants to who wants to go there. And so and part of that really is the mindset is is, yeah. is, getting, is changing your mindset away from um, what it would be in the corporate world to what it's like working from home. It's, it's a very different experience. Yeah, for sure. What are your favorite productivity tips? How do you get the most done every day? So the, the schedule is really important. So discipline for the schedule. So so uh, science shows that the brain can't concentrate for more than two hours at a time. You get diminishing returns after that. So it's very important to structure your day into productive periods, like uh, analytical periods, working on the laptop, stuff like that for two hours, and then get the hell out of there and go and walk in the woods or take the dogs for a walk or or go meditate or take a nap or whatever you want to do. But make sure that you split your day up into highly analytical times and then highly relaxation times because neuroscience also shows that the brain is at its most creative when it's tired. So if you structure, that's the opposite of what most people think. And so if you structure your day into, okay, two hours of hard work, now I feel a bit tired, I'll go and walk in the woods, and then you get these amazing insights, like these magic things, like, oh my God, what a great idea, which you wouldn't have if you didn't structure your day that way. So so it's very important to follow the discipline of a structured day. And um, and that way you continuously work in a peak brain performance mentality, and uh, you allow yourself the time to have those breakthrough moments that make all the difference. For sure. How do you know what to say yes or no to? Intuition. So, so intuition is so so. It's easy to say. So people say, okay, but what does intuition feel like? So the emotion of intuition is not excitement and it's not fear, and it's right in the middle of that is complete calm. So when you feel when you feel you know everyone the whole world saying, uh, oh, we should say yes to this, and you're saying, well, I think I should say no to this. When you feel really calm, being the only person that's saying no when everybody else is saying yes, then you know your answer is right for you. Mm, that's great. Gratitude's a really important topic on this show. What role does that have in your journey? It's total. So, so because we talked before about the magic of thinking big. So, so when you think big and then you set an intention and then you achieve something that, you know, before you start, you would have said, if I could have, if I can sell, like my first company, okay, so I, I, would, I decided I would sell it for at least $100 million before I started it. When I, when I sold it for 100, it was 105.5 million when I sold it five years later, 
the emotion I had was gratitude. I wasn't excited. I wasn't shouting from the rooftops. I just felt so grateful. And I think when you when you take that approach to business, any aspect of life, but particularly in business, when you are are grateful for all of those magical moments as you go, you get more magical moments. I think the yeah. gratitude sets up an energy that continuously it's like a like a, a loop. It continuously feeds you with more reasons to be grateful. Yeah. How do you connect with people? What what are your strategies and and your your ideas for for that? So I'm I'm a physicist by trade. So I'm a perpetual student of quantum physics. So one of my courses called Transformation. I teach uh, three principles. Uh, quantum entanglement, the observer effect, and string theory. And quantum entanglement is the ability to connect um, with direction and power. Once connected, always connected. So you're able to take the energy of your configuration of particles and connect that with any configuration of particles, i.e., another human being or a business or something like that. Um, so there's a, there's a tool, there's a technique for doing that, and um, it's, we don't have time to get into it now, obviously. But if people want, if people are interested, just go to trevorgblake.com, and uh, I describe all of it there. Fantastic. How do you handle those who can't handle your success? Uh, I pretty much cut them out of my life. They're gone. Good. They're Good. Just, yeah. I I love that. That's fantastic. What has surprised you about entrepreneurship? How much e- how easy it is, and how much fun. And and if I I wish I could. I wish I could take everybody and put them inside me for five minutes so they could see that and feel that because then when they get back, when I take them outside of me and put them back in the in the world, that's the first thing they're going to do is they're going to say, oh, I, I want to do that and I'm going to do it now. So so that's for me, it's it's such an incredibly creative endeavor, a, a bit like being a brilliant painter or a brilliant writer or a brilliant musician. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. What advice do you have to entrepreneurs who might be struggling right now? Um, mostly entrepreneurs are struggling because they've been taught that you have to work 16 hour days, seven days a week, and you know, that you, you have to do it all on your own and you have to put all your own money in and don't get investors in and all that kind of nonsense. I I think most entrepreneurs I meet don't build their businesses or, or, um, uh, work their businesses the same way I do, which is why I wrote secrets to a successful startup so that you think differently, um, you know, unwind everything that you've been told in the corporate world of what you're supposed to do. So most entrepreneurs I meet, you know, they come out of the corporate world and they immediately start hiring people as ahead of this, ahead of that, ahead of the other thing. And all that cash goes down the drain and they end up having to supervise those people. And my my approach is very different to that is don't hire anybody. You don't need to. You have all you need to be successful, particularly in the early days. That's, that's so fascinating. They hire too early when perhaps they shouldn't be hiring at all. I love that. So what is your superpower? What do you do better than anyone else? I, I think it's gathering is, I think I use my intuition better than most people I know because I've learned it. And most, most men I know anyway. So if I have one skill, it's the ability to manage a small group of people. Um, so when I was a sales guy, you know, I had I had seven salespeople and then I was a sales manager. I had seven area managers and then seven regional managers and then seven directors. I've only ever put together a small group of people. And that's what I do with my businesses here. I have sort of seven vendors. Uh, you know, I have somebody who's in charge of sales and marketing and someone who's in charge of manufacturing, et cetera. And I'm able to get those people working well together. And I, and I think it's because uh, I don't take a supervisory role with them. I take a trust role. So we're, we're yeah. a true team. We're a true team. And um, that that that's what I see is different. I do meet a lot of entrepreneurs who have set their company up in a hierarchical fashion, 
and they really make life difficult for themselves because there there isn't that peer trust amongst the team amongst the team and when you're small you really do need that you've got to all be in it together yeah i yeah for sure you've got to be in it together what bucket list item would you like to accomplish in the next 12 months it could be business or personal no uh so i'm uh, buying a private island buying a private island inspired by richard branson i suppose uh, I would like to buy his, but I th- his is slightly out of my range. But, but sure. then, no, it's something I've always uh, I've always wanted to do, and I've been shopping for it for a couple of years. Do you have a geographical preference? Caribbean. That's wonderful. What is the scariest thing you've ever done? I uh, going through the grieving process after my wife died uh, 14 months ago. It's been the, yeah. the toughest year of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I lost my dad last year in February, so I. It takes a while. It takes time, doesn't it? It, it does. Time. It absolutely does. If you give the 18-year-old version of yourself advice, what would you tell him? I've <laughs> that we're so much smarter than we think we are. So just get started. There's, there are no limits. There are no limits. Fantastic. And the question I ask everyone toward the end: Who inspires and motivates you, Trevor? It was my mother, and then after my mother died, uh, my wife, who was my mother's nurse. Uh, so, so I've been I've been blessed to be to be inspired by two amazing women. That's. Fantastic. So tell us once again where we can find you, where we can vibe with you, where we can try with you. <laughs> so everything's at uh, trevorgblake.com. Wonderful. Final thoughts before we wrap this up. I, I hope uh, you, I hope your listeners you know, get the con- listen to this and say, okay, well, if that guy can do it, look into my background and you'll see it truly as a case of, oh my God, if he can do it, then anyone can. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for being here. It was awesome having you here. And once again, for all of you who are interested, the name of his book is Secrets to a Successful Startup, A Recession-Proof Guide to Starting, Surviving, and Thriving in Your Own Venture. And his previous book is called Three Simple Steps, A Map to Success in Business and Life. We thank you, Trevor, for being here. We thank you for all listening. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Have a great week. Goodbye. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Take care. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian.